0: Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to the first episode of Inspired Leadership. This podcast celebrates real-life examples of inspired leadership. My name is Susan Power, and I am owner and CEO of Power HR, a boutique human resources firm that grows and inspires leaders.
1: And I'm Tyler Bailey. I'm an international leadership developer for elementary age students. I'm currently in South Korea working with YBM Education, developing and facilitating leadership workshops.
0: Hi, Tyler. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well.
1: This is going to be a lot of fun, hosting a podcast, meeting new people, learning about their stories. I can't wait.
0: I am so excited. I think there's a huge need for this dialogue. And I don't know about what you think of when you think of inspired leaders inspired leadership. But to me, inspired leaders are people who ignite a spark inside other people.
1: Mm-hmm. I, when, I, when I think of inspired leaders, inspired leaders, I think of someone acting from a place where their values and their beliefs are congruent with their overall vision. And that and most importantly their actions are inspiring others to perform at their best.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because when you meet a when you meet a leader who has that, it it just like I said it sparks something inside you, something that inspires you to take action and The best leaders out there, they awaken something within their people and it has a domino effect. It creates more leaders just by nature of the opportunity of working with them and witnessing them and seeing them in action and seeing how they think. And for sure, it's all coming down to their beliefs and their values and their actions demonstrate that.
1: Definitely. Susan, I got to ask you, what is what is your favorite quote, one of your favorite quotes?
0: I think one of my favorite is from a Jack Kerouac book. And the quote is, it's better to burn out than fade away. Oh, I love that. And the reason I like that is because to me, it's all about passion and and about, you know, great leaders have this just passion for what they do because they're doing something that's bigger than themselves.
1: My, one of my favorite quotes is pretty much in line with that, and it comes, um, I'm one of mine is from a, uh, one of my favorite speakers, Craig Valentine, and he's, he was talking about how he's in this job, and it wasn't his dream, it wasn't his passion, you know, and he talked to his boss, and he said, you know, I, I really want, I have to pursue my dreams, this is what I want to do, and his boss raised his salary a little bit, and he thought, oh my gosh, this is, uh, this is much, this is much better, and he said, no, I can't do this, I got to, I, I really have to pursue my dreams. I got to be a speaker. This is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. And the the boss basically added a zero to his salary.
0: Oh my God! Said,
1: he said, "I gotta, I gotta go talk to my wife." <laughs> <laughs> I like and the way he thinks. <laughs> so he went, he went back to talk to his wife, and his wife said, "Your dream is not for sale." And I think that's so important. And that's one reason that I moved over here to South Korea to pursue the leadership and pursue teaching and try and develop leadership workshops and figure out how to best teach students to become leaders.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, Tyler, I find it very interesting that you moved from Oakville, Ontario, Canada, just outside of Toronto, to South Korea at a pretty young age because you're a (laughs) millennial.
1: I'm A millennial, yeah, that's me, just on the cusp, 34 (laughs) years old.
0: I love that, though. I love the fact we have your perspective, you know, and talking about What leadership means from a millennial perspective, but why did you think South Korea would be the spot that would teach you more about leadership?
1: Well, I picked South Korea because of the opportunities I had, and there were uh, many schools with students that spoke very good English, and I wasn't coming from a teaching background, Uh, so I I moved out there into South Korea, and I I had a background in Mm. in. And those, I guess it would be the arts of leadership or, or the, even the techniques of it. So I thought this was a really good fit. And um, what it's taught me is it's kind of funny. It's like one of my biggest failures, actually. Uh, what happened was in my first year of doing this, I found out I was teaching leadership completely the wrong way. <laughs> I, and I it was just... I thought I was doing it correctly. Like, for example, I remember teaching anger management to a couple uh, – this group of students. And I had this amazing PowerPoint with all these animations. And I was going to get them to do breathing exercises. And I was going to say, never forget this. this is going to be amazing. Well, the problem was I went back the next year to meet these students and say, wow, hey, how's it, how's everything going? Oh, Did you like that one class I put so much effort and so much time into?
0: And they didn't even remember. They didn't remember, but I mean – that's pretty common, isn't it? When you're teaching adults something new, they don't retain much of it. So, so what did you learn from that?
1: I think with different subjects, there are definitely different approaches and styles. And when we look at trying to teach leadership, I, I think a lot of teachers take the same approach—that lecture style, that that you know you throw information at a student, you hope it sticks—style. And how I look at it is the same way of like trying to ride a bike. You know, you can teach a student how a bike works, and this is the handle, this is the seat. But teaching a student how to ride a bike and getting them to actually learn how to ride the bike in balance, that's something they need to do in practice.
0: So. You know, that's really interesting that that same lesson you learned in the classroom through teaching, I would see in the corporate world all the time because, you know, you really learn from your own failures or from trying things out yourself, right? Otherwise yeah, it's just definitely. theory.
1: My focus now in the classroom is to try and create an environment or a culture in the classroom that allows for mistakes.
0: And does that work does that work better? Do you find your students are retaining more now?
1: I not only do I feel it works better, but they're more connected with each other. And they feel safer in, the, in an environment that they can express themselves and they're learning how to apply the techniques and learning especially when to apply them
0: that's amazing, Tyler, that you've you've created that environment and that you're teaching leadership to students on the other side of the world and they must be learning so much from being in your class. Oh, well, I,
1: I, <laughs> I hope so. And the next year I went back, <laughs> I've, I realized that they were talking so much more about, oh, this lesson. I remember when you made us build those towers and we got super angry, but you stopped the class and made us do breathing techniques and do yoga, random positions and just calm down.
0: Geez, I wish I wish I could pause uh, the corporate leaders that I work with and get them to do a few yoga poses every <laughs> once in a while. I'm not sure how that would fly in, in corporate, but I could see it completely in, in class. I know I've heard a lot about mindfulness. Have you heard about how a lot of companies like Google are using it to kind of get their executives to think and slow down and connect more with their people.
1: Actually, writing a children's book right now about it. It's about not going fast, but going smart. And a lot of students are focused on trying to be the fastest. And school is really not about trying to go fast, it's about trying to learn from your mistakes and mm-hmm. understanding your mistakes. And a lot of students just kind of breeze over the mistakes and say, oh, okay, I made four mistakes there. Okay, great, I'll do less next time, but they never really go back and yeah. think about the mistake. And then they they tend to make a lot more, especially
0: when they go faster. You know what, Tyler, that was the exact failure that I had. I wish I sat in your class. I wish I was one of your students. I could have avoided my failure. But I was doing exactly that. I would be in so many meetings a day like eight meetings a day. Your phone would be ringing, your cell phone would be buzzing. And I was, you know, very driven. And I had just been promoted from a director role to an executive director position very high level role for my for my age and very, very excited about it. All I could think about was I want to be promoted to a VP role and it was ridiculous how focused. I made career my entire life. I was working all the time and I wasn't spending enough time with my kids and I was going so fast I wasn't connecting with the people who reported into me because I was you know focused on what was next all the time. And I remember one day, I was so scared. I had to present to the owner of the company, 15,000 employee organization, the owner, Jim Irving, who is you know one of Canada's billionaires. And I spent about 80 hours preparing for a one-hour presentation learning, you know, got to know my turnover rates. I got to know the diversity stats. I got to know uh, what could he ask me. I got to know the answer to everything. Because if I don't, you know, like, I just got to. It's Jim Irving. And, I mean, it was ridiculous. I spent all this time when I should have been spending it focused on developing my people and finding opportunities for them to grow and completely focused on the wrong things. The job, the job didn't work out, didn't get that VP promotion, and at the same time, Tyler, my marriage, about 15 years, done.
1: See that we kind of overload ourselves on the me 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 factor thinking that's the only way to do something And I'm I mean I'm guilty of that I think we're all guilty of that and it takes it takes time I think and an effort to it's like the same way as starting to floss. It's so difficult It's so hard to change that focus from the money status focus and put it on people and, and give because we feel sometimes when we give, we're actually losing something. We're losing time. We're losing money, and really, it's you know, people are the are the ROI of life. Which, uh, to, absolutely, yeah.
0: and I think having a purpose that's greater than yourself and knowing what those values are that you're working, you know, towards demonstrating every day and being aligned with that is so important. Because otherwise, your actions will, you know you'll get distracted. You'll be chasing that shiny ball or that promotion and you won't be doing the right things.
1: And we have so much more to talk about and so many guests to interview. I can't wait to hear their stories as well.
0: Awesome. I'm so excited about this. I can't wait to talk to more leaders and I can't wait to hear other people's leadership stories and celebrate what is inspired leadership because that really what we're focused on here so we can create more of it in
1: our world.